0: Um, at this time, I would like to welcome a friend of mine to come up on stage. Uh, can you guys welcome Gabe Kramer? Um, Gabe is. Well, can you do this without <laughs> Gabe is an amazing guy. Gabe is one of the most positive, humble, servant-oriented, passionate guys that I know, and. And fortunately, he uses that all for the glory of God. Aren't you so grateful for people who use their gifts and their talents and their calling for the glory of God? Yeah, yeah, I'm when so you write grateful. This down, hold on. Yeah. <laughs>
1: just kidding, thank you.
0: So, um, Gabe has a, a really amazing testimony of the faithfulness of God concerning the subject of um, the first fruits. So, can you kind of share with us a little bit about your journey and kind of? what the Lord did and how he changed your heart?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we, I, I would even say that we probably looked at church as in it's a place you go. Um, maybe you get involved a little bit and then it's a once a week thing, right? And coming to the adventure changed things and, and it, it's really the people here. So we started looking at the church as a family, right? This is these are really our brothers and sisters in the Lord, and um, it really changed everything because, you know, knowing that and seeing people's lives change, you know, every week and, and throughout the week here, including my own, right, that now to make a financial investment in, in here and in, in, in what God is doing here, it, it's, it just makes it so much more easy, and it, it um, you know, I mean, if, if you're just going to church, and it's like, yeah, I just go there you know, you may or may not give any money towards it. Right. But then when you, when you have a a personal investment in the people here and you see what the Lord is doing and you see the kingdom of God literally right before our eyes, right here, right now happening, and you see lives changing and you see humanity being restored, I can invest in that. Right. So let's, let's give there. So,
0: so kind of tell a little bit about once you, his, his wife's name is Lynette. She's also amazing. Um, He's waving at her, flirting. Um, once you decided to to really start to give out of faith, I guess, once you made that decision, then what happened after that?
1: Sure. Um, so we won the lottery um, <laughs> twice, actually. No, <laughs> just kidding. <Yeah. laughs> just kidding. Okay, babe, let's get the checkbook out. No, um, so, you know, we... We made the decision to start giving. Uh, I remember we both talked I remember the time when we were talking about it, it's like hey why aren 't we giving let's let's just give to the Lord um, it's not really that hard. I mean it kind of is, but it's like no, let's just do it And uh, we both had the conversation, we were both in agreement. It's like, yeah, we need to be doing this and it, it was It was kind of a particular series of messages here about first fruits and God gave us everything. It's like, well, wait a second, why are we, why aren't we giving? more to him why aren't we giving anything to him really uh at that point right so we decided to step out in faith and give and and um you know it, it had to go beyond uh a duty right no, nobody wants to give out of a uh, duty or obligation or somebody coerces you right like you don't want to give that way um it it was okay let, let's invest in what god's doing here and let's just see what the lord does and um, it, I mean, it's been an amazing, uh, amazing journey because what he's done in our hearts is really made our hearts an investment into this place and into the people. It's not the building or anything, right? It's it's the people here who are just truly amazing, and uh, our lives have been changed many times over, and in, in, in various ways, uh, and and specifically too with the with with the direction of giving unto the Lord, right? When you, when you kind of take that part of your life and you say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna to give to the Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna sacrifice, I'm I'm gonna give monetarily because there's things here that are way bigger than me and God is doing things and if I don't if I don't give I'm I'm missing out on something huge that God is doing here. And I mean I truly believe that and see that. Um I mean our just kind of our, our personal story, um I mean our income is more than doubled just from from being here and it just continues to go up. Uh but that's not really I mean, that's not why you give, right? You, and, and that's really the thing that God's doing in our hearts is like, okay, we're our hearts are aligned with what He's doing, and, and that's really what counts and what's important. And the Lord may bless you greatly, or He may bless you some in, in the area of finances, but He's going to give you like other things that are that you just can't money can't buy, right? I mean, He's going to give you things that are just um, intangibles that, that are worth more than any of that, and that's really what he's doing he wants to do in all our hearts right so
0: amen thank you for sharing that
1: sure that's great yeah, so
0: sure. if we could have the ushers come forward and and again um i heard uh, i heard this week at a conference this comedian his name is michael jr and he said he said i don't call tithing giving he ca- he said i call it not stealing so <laughs> if you know what the scripture says in malachi 3 it says you know would you rob me god is saying this would you steal from me by not giving back to me what's already mine, it's already his. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything that's in the earth is the Lord's. And so I just want to challenge you. You know, we're not about money grubbing, but we are about obedience to what God has called us to. And the, and the fact is that, as I mentioned last week, Jesus talked about money a lot, because it's such a tangible thing. And it's such a tangible way of demonstrating, Lord, I believe you. I believe in you. And when Gabe and Lynette started doing that, not only did God double their income, but he really began to really bless them in in other intangible ways. So, ushers, you can come forward. And Gabe, would you mind praying for yeah, our sure. offering?
1: I just want to say, too, I was thinking about this the other day and talking to Ira. Um, I was thinking about it. I thought, man, I don't, I don't really grudgingly do anything. Like, you know, sometimes I don't want to go to work or I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't even have that anymore. And I, I didn't even realize it until I started thinking about it. It's like that, that is not like I read a self-help book or I mustered it up. That is straight from the Lord, a blessing into my life because of generosity that he's developed in me and seeing that fruit work out, Right. So, so just to be able to live like life like that is is truly amazing. It's like I don't grudgingly do anything. It's there, there's a lot of joy there, and it's 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 because of what God is doing. So, uh, Lord, this is a special time that we. It's another form of worship that we uh, dedicate to you every, every Sunday, just a little portion of, of time where we can just give to you, Lord. And I just pray for the hearts of our, of my brothers and sisters here, our family. Lord, you're doing so many amazing things uh, feeding the poor, feeding the hungry, uh, you know, blessing people with, with just things that they need. And there's so many things that are happening here that we just don't even see all the time. And that our donations and our, what we give freely is, is going to support your, your kingdom here, right here, right here, and right now. And I just pray that we, we just, we just give with no regard, with no care. There's, there's no care in the world. Let's just give freely and cheerfully. And, and, and see what you're going to do in our lives. And we just thank you for, for all of this, Lord. We thank you for this season and this time and that we're here and we're alive. Uh, we just pray these things in your, your great name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Gabe. Can you give Gabe a round of applause as a sign of gratitude? So also I mentioned that today we have a special speaker. This guy, ah, this guy, I love him so much. He's, he's like my son in the faith. Um, I have to say, to me, he really is an example of the changing power of the Holy Spirit and, and of a life that is radically transformed when we completely surrender and when we completely give ourselves to God, how God just, like he's like, yeah, awesome. Like he wants to take our lives and do something with them. And that's what we're about. And he, this young man, he is the extension campus pastor down in American Fork. Woo-woo. So, yeah. So um, he just got to the point in his life where he just said yes, and God has radically transformed him. I have seen so much growth in him, and so much change, and 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 a life that is completely. Filled with favor, in the favor of the Lord. So could you guys please welcome Kelly Van Arsdal to bring a convicting and inspiring message?
2: Hi. Thanks, Mama Jody. Or should I say grandma Jody now? I was always told never to ask like, a woman how old she was, but I don't know if you can tell them grandma or not. Well, hello, church. Good morning. I'm not used to doing two services. I could probably use a muffin about halfway through this, so you have to bear with me if I crash. But a lot's changed. Oh, it doesn't feel like I've, it's been that long since I've been back, but you know, I had a son, Lucas. Pretty excited about him. He's, yeah, woo! Might see him and, and mom running around here soon. Pretty cute. Looks like his mama. So thank God for that. But how, how amazing is God, right? I mean, I, every time I come here, every and I sit in worship, and I just think, man, God did so many amazing things in this very room in my life, right? And and what He continues to do, and, and boy, how great is is Jody leading us into this new season? She's just an amazing shepherd and and pastor and. I'm so excited to see where where this is going, right? Yes. Well, great. So Jody and I are going to be doing a two-part series based around prayer. We're continuing our Sermon on the Mount series as well. Um, But I'm going to do part one today, and then she's going to wrap up part two with the Lord's Prayer. So I'm just going to lay a foundation as far as, as what we're looking at. Before I jump in too far, though, I definitely better not forget about my American Fork people. That would be really awkward. All right? Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Josh, take attendance because I want to know who's there. Just kidding. Don't. No, it's just a joke. Jim's laughing at it in American Fork right now. He laughs at everything. I'm going to miss him today because he laughs at all my bad jokes. But I, I titled this sermon, Can You Hear Me Now? Do you guys remember that old Verizon commercial? I don't it wasn't, I want to say old because it was like 15 years ago, but that was half of my life. It was about 15 years. But... Do you guys remember that Verizon commercial where the guy would walk around, he would like go on mountaintops, and he would go through deserts, and it was showing the, the power of the Verizon network? you guys remember that? So he used, to, he used to ask one question, can you hear me now? And then he would say, good, with the inference that the connection was, was a good connection, right? Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Can you, so when I say, can you hear me now, can you say, good? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good. Good. Nice. You guys are getting it. You guys are a lot more awake than first service. I love it. But I want to use that as an example because we go through various seasons in our life where we ask God, God, can you hear me now? Can you hear me, God? Are you there, God? Can you hear me? And so I want to address that issue a little bit. And I also want to talk about what what can hinder us in prayer, what Jesus says about prayer in in the Sermon on the Mount, and how we can apply it. And then next week, Jody is going to look at the template with the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to put the two together. But right now, I'm just laying the base for next week. All right, so first off, let's just pray. Father, it's just a, a privilege to, to even be called your child, to be adopted into your sonship. Lord, I just pray that this message will fall on, on open hearts, open ears, that people won't leave this room unchanged that it's so simple to, to hear a message and then forget it an hour after church. But I pray that this, this message will go from, from knowledge to belief to change and transformation. Teach us something new. Teach us something new about prayer, about how we can approach you and how amazing it is to be able to talk with you and have a relationship with you. I thank you that you are a good God and that you have all authority on this world and all creation. And everything that was created bows to you. In your glorious name, amen. Okay. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be looking at Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8 today. So if you want to read along with me, that'd be fantastic. So we'll start in verse 5. And when you pray, this is Jesus speaking, if you haven't been with us for the last few weeks. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you. So let's break it apart. I want to start first with the most simple of concepts. We are commanded to pray. It's very inferred. And within a a very Christian cultural society, everyone usually knows what prayer is. But Jesus is commanding us to pray. He doesn't say, if you pray, do it this way. No, he says, when you pray, do it this way. I think one of the biggest things that we lack sometimes is a prayer life. We get so caught up in doing that we forget to pray. And for me, I know in my spiritual fights, especially when you're taking grenades in Utah County, it's really simple to let your prayer life slip away. To take that time that you would have spent with God and do something different. Do something that's unproductive. That's the first thing that the enemy loves to attack in my life, and I'm assuming in a lot of other people's lives as well, is the prayer life. And I think we can make it very simplistic. We can, we can make it so that it's just something we do. But we're missing an extremely important issue. And so when we see, can you hear me now? Do anybody, does anybody kind of hope that this is a picture that, that God has? Do we hope that maybe this is what he's doing? He's, he's got the ultra radar on. He's listening to every word you ever say. Anything you throw up, he's like, you got it, man. Name it and claim it, brother. <laughs> I think that's the concept we, we like to think. But I'm going to show you how that, that's not exactly the case. But I want to at least lay the foundation that we are commanded to pray. It is something we, we have to do. And it's for our benefit. You know, when you don't pray, at least this is my life. I'm looking at my, my own walk right here. I, I feel dry, right? You feel, you feel weak. Sin becomes more powerful in my life. The problems, the, the, the addictions I have or the struggles I have seem to be to come to fruition more often. When I don't have a, a, a consistent prayer life. And I let small things get to me. Small things bug me. You know, I I came out of an anger issue. It's always the quiet ones, right? So when it happened, it happened big time. And what I started to realize is when my prayer life lacked, my ability to battle against that lacked. And so the first thing I want to say is you're commanded to talk to God when you pray, not if you pray. And then there's two bases I also want to lay out. So he mentions who you're praying to in this passage, to your father. Now this is extremely important because he could have used a number of different words. He could have said to your king, to your master, to your lord, right? But he says father, right? The basis of that is twofold. When you live in somebody's home, you're either a border house liver. You're you pay the landlord. You do the things you have to do in order to live there. And then there's a family member. The border house person, he has to pay his rent in order to stay there. He has to do things for landlord. He has to ensure that he takes care of the building, ensure he keeps up his side of the bargain. Right? And then you have the family member. The family member doesn't worry about paying rent. The family member doesn't necessarily worry about keeping the house clean. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ames. But he, he trusts that that family member he's living with, his father, his mother, isn't going to boot him on the street the first minute that he messes up. Whereas the landlord, he could technically do that. You talk to most landlords, they really don't want to get too close to the, their rentees because they may have to do something like that. And so we're looking at prayer as a two-part basis. Are you someone who is praying to a landlord, afraid of if I don't do this, I might get booted out? Or are you praying to your father, someone who loves you so much and accepts you, and you speak to him in that kind of a relationship? That's the challenge. And Jesus is laying two types of people. So, we're going to look at that. Because when you're in a spiritual fight, which we're all in on almost an hourly basis, every day you wake up, you have to have a strong prayer life or you're going to collapse. You have to be able to have that relationship. Philippians 4 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Every situation, no situation that you will see will not give you an excuse to not pray. You must always be in perpetual prayer. That doesn't mean you just walk around in the middle of work, oh, Father, bless my coworkers. No, that's not what that means. But that your life is is a walking prayer. That you are continuously thinking about him, God. How do I handle the situation with my coworker? God, how do I handle the situation with my spouse? You can do that without talking. Psalm eighteen six says, "In my distress, I called to the Lord; I cried to my God for help. For his temple, he heard from his temple; he heard my voice, my cry came before him into his ears." How many of us resonate with that? That in my distress, I called to the Lord. Man, distress seems to come weekly, doesn't it? Sometimes I just want to break from distress. But man, my, the, the times when I've been in most distress is when I've seen God move the greatest. Because my, I just have to lean into him even more. It forces me to have the faith that he will get me through it. And that's the mentality, that's the heart that God is searching for. The heart of someone who's going to come to him. In distress? Who's going to approach him? What do you turn to in distress? Who do you turn to in distress? What in this world do you turn to when you're in distress? Do you go to prayer or do you go to something else? You cannot fight this battle on your own. You cannot be solo in Christianity because we are an organism more than an organization. We are living, breathing. We grow, we shrink. It is for your benefit that you have this connection with God. It is for your benefit that you're even called a child of God. That you can approach the Father with confidence, knowing your identity and who you are. The biggest struggle I see with people who have, you know, are struggling with the most is because they usually have an identity issue they don't realize the power that lives inside them. And they don't realize the power that comes through prayer. Remember, look at that. And how can you have a relationship with someone you never talk to? Long-distance relationships are extremely difficult. I was in a long-distance relationship before. I almost married a girl from Ohio, believe it or not. And that relationship was extremely difficult because there was a lack of communication. So when you feel farther away from God, why is that? When you're saying, can you hear me now, why is that? Perhaps you're not spending enough time in that relationship because you don't take the time. Before I jump even more into Matthew 6, I want to talk about a few ways you can hinder prayers. Did you know you could actually hinder your prayer? Let's look at that. There's a few verses I want to go over that the Bible talks about. So James four three says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it, to spend it on your own passions. So your motives are wrong. What are your motives in that in prayer? Self seeking motives? When you approach God, what are the motives of what you you ask for? Proverbs twenty eight nine If anyone turns his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Does it align with the word of God? Does your prayer align with the word of God? If you pray, God, strike my neighbor down, that doesn't exactly align with God's commandment to love your neighbor. Does it align with God's God's word? Mark 11.25 says, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you forgive you your trespasses. That's a convict. I hope that one hits right here. That's big. Are you approaching God with a forgiving heart? Have you forgiven the people who have wronged you? We're not entitled to hold grudges. Did you know that? Because we've died to everything that we are so we're not entitled to hold those. We don't belong to ourselves. So he says, release that. Because if you hold those, it will hinder your prayers. Husbands, if you don't honor or respect your wife, 1 Peter 3, 7, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. This can go vice versa. Wives, respect and honor your husbands. Husbands, honor respect your wife stand up for each other. Don't gossip about each other. Men, fight for your wives. And then when you ask, when you have doubt, James 1, 5 through 7, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. So do you approach God and do you believe he can actually deliver what you're, what you're bringing to him? Or are you just saying it empty, like, well, I, I kind of want this. I think I, you might be able to deliver this. Or are you approaching like, God, this is, I know you can perform this. Do you believe he can deliver you? Do you believe he can deliver people around you? Have confidence in that. And there's a difference between Christians and the rest of the world because when people say, can you hear me now? And the prayer doesn't answer it, it's all like, well, God's not there. He abandoned me. I asked and not received. Christians, what we got to do is look at it and go, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not my will. That's the difference between a a lot of different religions and Christianity. You look at it as, oh, your will be done. And there's the pressure cooker, right? What comes out of pressure when a coal is pressurized? Diamonds. Perhaps you're going through what you're going through because of that purpose. Okay. So if you're asking God, can you hear me now? Perhaps you're asking the wrong question. When you send requests to God, does your heart align with his will, with his word, with the scriptures I told you about? Is your heart aligned with your, with your family? Is your heart align with belief and un, and forgiveness and your motives? Because that's what Jesus is seeking is your heart. That's where it comes from. So before you go before the throne room of God and you pray, is your heart aligned? So in Matthew 6, Christ gives us some do's and don'ts to help us understand why it seems that God can't hear us. They're not real do's and don'ts. That just helps me kind of align better to what we're looking at. But I want to first look at the don'ts, and then we'll examine the do's and talk a little bit about that. So the first one is, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, I'm not going to go into hypocrites, because Pastor Jordi did a great job last week of talking about hypocrites. But he is not prohibiting public prayer. Who, knew, who, who knows we need more public prayer, right? He's not prohibiting Christians, you don't pray in public. It's the motive of which people pray in public. Remember what I said, the heart. What's the motive behind praying in public? So it's really easy to take this, this passage and be legalistic about it, the Christian police, and say, whoa, 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 you're praying on the street corner, sir. That's in the Bible. You're not supposed to do that. All right, no, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's talking to the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious people, okay? the people who are outward appearance. I call this spiritual peacocking. Because they they flip their feathers up and they like to say, wow, look how religious and godly I am, right? And the Pharisees love to do this. Used to have the robes and tassels and we're going to look at that, but they have that mentality of, you know, look how holy I am. You know, I'll do my little 50s cartoon, like my suspenders, like righteous, holy, humility, all of that we have in abundance, Right? We all, I mean, I think I've probably been there in my life. So, I mean, it's kind of convicting as I talk about it because I rethink all the things that I've done. Especially being like a pastor's kid, you kind of already have this stigma about you where you're already kind of like righteous. And I use that for a lot of bad things. (laughs) God went under the radar a lot. But it basically starts from false motives and pride. This is the very heart of what, what Christ is saying. Because as, as people, as sinful people, we look to be at the highest, most prestigious places. We want to be in that seat of, that, that seat of remembrance. We want to be in that seat of prestige, of high honor. We like to have the titles. It makes us feel good. Makes us feel wanted. Again, identity. Mark 12, 38 through 40 gives an example of, of who these people are. It says, watch out for the experts in the law. Again, this is this is Christ talking. They like walking around in long robes and elaborate greetings in the marketplaces. And the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour a widows' property and show and show and as a show make long prayers, these men receive a more severe punishment. Jesus says these these guys have already received the reward. I don't want anything to do with that trophy, right? I don't want that reward. I don't know about you. You know, it's interesting. I came out of um, a track and field background. I ran track in college, played sports all through high school and there was always people, especially when you lined up for like the starting line, who would take a few steps out, you know, bow the knee, almost like the Tebow, you know, say the, the quick 30 second prayer then step back in the line 20 seconds before the gun went off. And, you know, I'm, Guilty of that myself. I, I was telling First Service that I actually used to do like the Catholic thing, which never understood because I grew up Baptist, but it seemed like <laughs> it seemed like a cool idea. Like because I, I liked that outer appearance of, oh it's okay, I'm a Christian, I'm gonna win this race. Right. So I, I was definitely guilty of, of putting on the show. And I you know, the people who play, who prayed in seclusion, boy. I used to think, man, that that's humility, because I can't. I have to be seen praying. I have to be seen looking like I, I'm righteous and that I know what I'm doing. And man, the prayers that were in seclusion—that was far more powerful, looking back, than what I was doing. Almost was like it was almost like a joke what I was doing. And then it says, do not keep babbling like pagans, babbling. Can you guys all say babbling? Babble, that's a fun word to say, right? Babbling. To babble means a long-winded or empty words. What Jesus is saying is that people say words that are empty in meaning. They have no heart behind them. And this this is religion, really, right? Say the right words, and then God will answer. Right, it's the border house mentality. I paid my rent, I said the words, now you owe me this. Right? And so he's saying, Don't say that. You know, the Greeks and Romans were extremely religious. They always consulted oracles, they always tried to consult the gods through auspices. My favorite story of, of one of the Romans in this particular instance is he threw a hundred chickens over a ship before a battle to see if they, they swam or sunk so that he knew if he should attack or not, right? The auspices were not in his favor, if you are wondering. So they're empty words. They're spoken without any kind of heart. And we see this a lot with chance. We see this a lot with Hinduism today. We see this a lot even in Islamic sects, right? We, there's this chance. There's this continuum of empty words like, I don't really feel or have this, this need, but I feel like I'm obligated to say these words. And that somehow these words will have power behind them. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not it. You know, you don't just pray for the sake of praying. Because where is, again, the heart in that? It's hollow and religious and has no power. It has zero relationship. Because if you imagine going to coffee with somebody who you're close with, are you just going to say the same thing over and 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 over? And over? <laughs> Probably not. You'd have a good friend if they let you do that. <laughs> so those are the do nots. So look at the do's. So this is the comparison. So Jesus talks about two do nots, and then he goes into this is what you should do. So he continually reminds us of how different the walk of Christian, a, walk, a Christian walk is. I love the fact that, that Jesus is always the most countercultural person you'll ever run into. Every, he takes, takes the world and he just tips it upside down. That's my, one of my favorite parts of this Christian walk is because you stand out so differently. And that's the best way to tell how your walk is going. Do you blend with the crowd or are you different than the crowd? And what makes you different. And he says in prayer, you need to be different. Don't babble. Don't do empty words. Don't just say the words in order to say the words. Have heart behind them. This is what we're going to look at. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door. And pray to your father who is unseen. Be in seclusion you can be in seclusion outside of your door or your room. Again, don't take this legalistic where you can only pray inside your, your, your house. This corresponds with, with Christ's verses in three and four where don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't let see people see you praying for a false motive when the true motive comes in seclusion because that's where you cry for help. Because in that there's true motive. Because you're desperate for Him. You can't allow the temptation of pride to enter in. The biggest thing He's saying is get alone with God. Say it with me get alone with God. Be proactive. Make time to be alone with God. Turn off the music, turn off the TV. Turn off all distractions, put the kids to bed, and get alone with God. For me, this is at night. I am not a morning person at all. I I told first service, it was fortunate that I was even there on time because that is way too early. But what I do is I I get it at at night. I have a a guest room that we have at our, our house. I turn off all the lights so I can't get distracted by things in the room. And I just sit. I sit and wait. Because the first thing I want to do is I want to just vent to him about everything that's happening in my life. I want him to conform to what I want. But just sit and wait. Don't speak. He wants to spend time alone with us. You know, imagine a relationship where you just don't spend time alone together. Imagine a marriage where you don't spend time alone together. It would not be a very successful relationship. Or with you, when you're with somebody and you have worship music blaring right in front of them when you're talking. <laughs> kind of distracting. The next part, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And this is the, The second part of of that. So you're alone. You're waiting for God. And Jesus says, he will tell you what you need to, to pray about. He already knows what you need. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, the spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the spirit. Because a spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So when you're alone in your room, calm, collected, you say, God, what do you want me to pray about? What do you want to say? Trust me, the first thing he brings up is your sin, which is a bummer. <laughs> but once you get but it feels good to get that. You start replaying, oh yeah, I did do that, I did do that, I did do that, I did do that. But then he gets to the good stuff. He starts putting people into your heart. One of my favorite things about American Fork is that I can pray for every single person in that room. (laughs) By memory. (laughs) I love that. And then if you don't know how to pray, if you don't know what to pray, beautiful thing because god will tell you what to pray for he will align you with his word a lot of times i just go in with this and i'll start just reading a few of the psalms and then it's like bingo there it is and then 10 minutes feels like you know it goes to an hour hour and a half i've been in there for i think my record is like an hour and a half or something like that i walked out i didn't feel that way <laughs> amy was like I, where were you <laughs> But that's the beauty of it. When you're in the presence of God, time just stands still. And when you're alone with God, you allow God to lead your prayers. Say that with me: lead your prayers. You allow God to lead your prayers because it's going to be. It's so easy to vent about what you need, and He's a God who definitely can take that, obviously. But see how powerful it is when you just wait and ask God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to pray for? I'm reminded of a time when we started doing uh, our UVU prayer booths. And, you know, I didn't know what that was going to look like. I've never done a prayer booth before. Now we just it was our first one. We were just going to put up a table. We had a little, you know, makeshift sign that we created, say prayer booth on it so people could know. And the night before, I was I was alone with God and I was praying, God just send somebody who is hurting that needs you. It opened doors for us to speak. You know, I didn't I mean, I was honestly expecting, like, 50 atheists to just come hover around the table, which would have been okay, I guess, but, you know, not exactly what I was thinking about when I started prayer booths. But there was a guy who came, he actually approached the prayer booth, which, if you've been to a prayer booth, is extremely rare. Usually I have to chase people. Like, hey you, I think you need prayer. And then try to go get him. But this guy came to the booth walked up to us, and you can tell he was very heavy burdened. And he said, my, my girlfriend was in Oregon and she vanished. And they, she was hiking and no one knows where she is. And I was like, wow, I prayed about this. This is kind of crazy. And then we, so we started talking and, and I found out he's you know, a member of the inter, interfaith dialogue group at UVU. That's all they do is they bring in these different faiths and they have an opportunity to, to have dialogue. And so I got to pray with him, and we got to talk, and, and through that relationship, he's completely opened up doors for us to go in and share the gospel with secular humanists, LDS, Muslims, whatever that is. It was amazing. And then he came to us, came to us. That's the beauty of it, right? Like that God answers those prayers. I love it. And that leads me into the, kind of my conclusion. Do you realize to whom you are speaking to? Because it can be so simplistic. It can be so abstract. We're in that culture where prayer is kind of natural. Anyone can pray. I mean, I've I've looked at at peer reports, and I think it's what 80% of, of Americans can say, yeah, I pray. So prayer is a common thing we know, but do we know to whom we speak? Because if you did, you'd have no problem praying every moment of every day. You are speaking to the God. The one and only who created all things, both in heaven and on earth. And he knows you by name. He knows you better than anyone else will ever know you. That God is the God you approach daily. Not only does he hear you, he's cheering for you. He's in your corner. Go, go, go. That is power. When you can walk into the throne room of God, and you look at the Isaiah chapters where it talks about his throne and was surrounded by 10 million angels. They're all singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you can walk into that and make your requests. He goes, You got it. I will answer that prayer. That's power, that's relationship. It's like nothing you'll ever experience when he answers a prayer. When you can actually come to him with a request and he's like, you got it. Blows my mind every single time. And I've seen it throughout my entire life. Even when I didn't feel like I was walking with him, he was still leading me to where I am. Right now, just talking to you. It's, an, it's a mind-blowing thing to be able to approach God like that. Some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about. You may have heard the word prayer, but you've never been able to really experience that. Where is your heart in that, right? Where, where are your motives? Are they empty words, just doing something to do something? Or do you pursue the relationship that God offers. There are two kinds of, there are two types of people I want to address as I, as I call for a response. First ones are are the people who have never had the opportunity to accept Christ as that relationship. Maybe they have known of Him. They've heard the words. They can speak the language but they've never had the relationship. Something that gives you a future. Something that gives you hope. The only thing that is, is Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that we hold on to. So can we bow our heads? If you're someone who has never accepted Christ, who have never been drawn by his love, and you want to accept him right now? I just pray that you you raise your hand so I can confirm with you. He seeks you out. You don't seek him. He seeks you, and you respond. Perhaps he's pulling at your heart right now. And come to me. I will give you life. The second group I want to pray for are those who have been struggling with the prayer life. Perhaps you've let the world distract you, pull you away from from the focus of, of spending time with God. And it is never too late to rekindle that. It is never too late to start today and spend time alone with God and allow him to lead your prayers. Father, we just come to you completely humbled by what you've done. At your mercy. For you died on the cross for us. Sinners who had absolutely no warrant to be saved. To be with you. To have that relationship. There is nothing we can do to approach you. It's purely by your grace that we are plucked out of death and brought into life. I thank you for that saving grace that we can walk in faith and confidence knowing we are children of God adopted into your sonship. Lord, change the way we pray. Don't allow us to conform to this world, but be renewed in our mind, transformed by your word. Help us to our prayers to, to speak into people's lives, to speak into our lives, led by you. Lord, I pray that this will not land. On hardened hearts, but that we will humbly come to you with a transformed prayer life, because in that everything changes. We don't fight our battles with picket signs and arguments. We fight our battles in prayer, creating us a new prayer life. A life where we can realize who we're speaking to. The God who provides all things. The God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. The God of the 12 apostles. The God who transformed everything on that day of Calvary. Who brought in a new covenant. Covenant of Grace saved, spilled by the blood that you gave on the cross, and that you are alive today, ready to transform lives, ready to send us to places we can't even imagine, with your power, with your authority, which we seek continuously. We can't do anything with our own flesh. It is purely by your will. And that includes our prayer life. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you do in every one of our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. God bless.